what we've found is that community and connection really are the building blocks of support for a successful and thriving career and life. Um, and here I think um, women find both friendship through this network and also community among like-minded people with a shared mission and purpose. Well, I think we received advice early on as we were planning our business to um, not, you know, open the beautiful space and have the water with the lemon in it and put on the nice music and light the candle and open the doors and say, all right, people come, but rather build the community first. Um, so before we launched the space, we had two listening events, which were focus groups. And the mission of those were to say, we want to build this business with you and for you. What do you need? What do you want? Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adeshian, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the Mother Honestly podcast. I am Kristen Hall, the COO of Mother Honestly, and we are graciously recording from Motor City Woman Studios in Detroit, Michigan. And I am so excited to have on the podcast today, Lauren Decker, who is a co-founder of The Coco. And The Coco is a women-focused co-working space located in downtown Summit, New Jersey, but they're doing a lot of really great things across the U.S., which I'm so excited to talk about. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for having me, Kristen. Great. If you'd be so kind, tell me a little bit more about yourself in your own words and how you got involved in COCO and your professional journey. Oh, thank you. Um, so we launched the COCO nearly two years ago, um, and our mission is to support our members wherever they are on the journey of life and career. And at the time, I had moved from New York City to the suburbs uh, about four years previous, and within that four years, I had been a working mother to one child, commuting to a full-time job in corporate philanthropy at Barclays. I was then a stay-at-home mom to two young children, then returning to the workforce as an aspiring nonprofit consultant, building a new network in New Jersey, and finally, a co-founder in a women-led startup. And what I found was that uh, managing those transitions wasn't always easy. Um, and in past transitions in my career and life, I had the benefit of institutions like my college or a business school to help me along, but felt like I had to forge my own way through those transitions. And so uh, I realized along with my co-founders that I'm not alone in that. And those building lives and careers in the suburbs and all over the country and the globe are making zigs and zags in their careers to accommodate their dreams for the future, for their families and for themselves. And we wanted to be a place where all members were seen, heard, and welcomed wherever they were on that journey to provide support and a soft place to land and a tribe of benevolent women sort of cheering them on along the way. I love that. And you hit on such a great point. And I think especially now, women are really struggling in this transition of some have been, whether they made the decision on their own or the situation surrounding the pandemic had forced them to make a career change. From your experience, what do you recommend that either at any point in your career kind of helps with women that either have to step back from their career, kind of are finding themselves now that they need to go out on their own, 
Um, what do you recommend? How do people kind of manage these transitions if they don't have such a great support network like Coco? Yeah, I think that I think the benefit of this community and what I've seen, it's a really multi-generational community. And I've learned that wherever you are in your own career or your life, it's okay. And you can make those transitions with less doubt and more freedom because I've seen so many people make transformative changes in their lives if they've had a career break of several years and now are a successful entrepreneur um, or had a successful corporate career and have decided to do something entrepreneurial or take some time off. And we're all here to say there's different points along the way and you'll get there. And I think what we've found is that community and connection really are the building blocks of support for a successful and thriving career and life. Um, and here I think um, women find both friendship through this network and also community among like-minded people with a shared mission and purpose. That's awesome. And I, I write, always tell people I'm writing down notes just when I talk to people. And I love that you said the community and the connection, because I think that's a huge thing. Wherever you are, if you're in New Jersey, if you're in the you know, tri-state area to be involved with what you guys are doing, or you know, all the way on the West Coast, that there are different opportunities and avenues to get involved to have that community connection. And it makes these transitions a little bit easier. I also love that you highlighted on a point that I think we often underscore is that a lot of mentorship, you should look both younger and older. And sometimes we're looking right at our peers in that same group. What do you recommend for women that may not be able to um, have an in-person space, but are trying to get involved? Can they follow what you guys are doing with Coco? by joining you on Facebook or on joining these different things. And you do a lot of virtual events, which I think is an awesome opportunity as well for people that may not be in New Jersey. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The, um, the pandemic had created an opportunity for us. We pivoted our business in March when we had to close, close our physical space to all virtual programming. Um, and so we now have members from across the country who can engage in our virtual programming no matter where they are. Um, and that falls into two categories, sort of co-learning and co-working. So I'll start with co-working. So we have virtual co-working every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and we were founded here on the premise that working from home ultimately becomes isolating. Um, and so we opened a physical co-working space so that you could be among people while you're working. But in the absence of that possibility for so many people while we were quarantining, we launched this virtual co-working as a way to be accountable, um, to be more productive, and to see other human beings who are managing similar things to you are. So we run that on Tuesday and Thursdays for two hours. Um, we have a whole calendar of virtual programming. One thing that I'll mention for this particular community that's been really sustaining um, as we've gone through the pandemic is our suburban parenthood group. Um, and that's run by a lovely executive coach named Deb Muniz. Um, and we met in the beginning of the pandemic weekly on our virtual call because everyone was trying to get their head above water and kind of figure out which way was up. Um, and we've reverted back to monthly meetings, but it's a chance for other working parents to kind of check in with one another and support each other along the way and really find ways to um, advocate self-care too, find ways to sort of fill our own cup so that we're our best selves in work and parenthood. That's amazing. And I think that's such a big thing because we're really seeing kind of the mental burnout and the fatigue that's hitting, not just, um, women and men individually, but collectively as families is trying to deal with the burden of children, childcare, child care, all of that kind of put together, it can be really overwhelming. Do you have any great kind of resources from that that have come out that you could share with our listeners who know this might be the first opportunity they're getting to learn about kind of these programs that are out there, 
but we always like to talk about ways of what can I do, you know, today or something that I can take away from any of those monthly groups if you found something that's been really well for you as a mother yourself on what's helping you kind of mitigate the day-to-day. Yeah, I think we evolved that particular group to sort of a hybrid of virtual and in-person. Um, so you can sign on to the Zoom calls monthly. And we did a walk and a meditation recently, which was our first live outdoor event. And I think for me personally, once I started doing socially distant walks during quarantine and the opportunity to connect directly um, with a a sort of admired friend and colleague within this community was really sustaining to me. So I would say by way of advice for folks on this call, finding ways to connect in person that you feel safe with along with virtual. Um, And you can plug into any of our virtual offerings as well. We offer a virtual Wellness Wednesday, entrepreneurship cohort. We have a very active coaches cohort. We do a social impact series. Um, Earlier in the pandemic, we did a conversation around hunger in the time of the pandemic um, because we have a very strong nonprofit community and really finding ways not just to look inward as we're all trying to find ways to um, be good parents and good employees at this time, but also how can you look outward and are there ways within your own community that you can serve and be of service and um, kind of see a bigger picture as you're kind of managing the day-to-day. I love that reflection of looking outward and seeing what you can do to help support that. And you have such a unique background. If I could take a step back into your career about the the work that you did do with nonprofits. And we have some listeners that are um, running their own nonprofits that are trying to grow that space. But we've also heard a lot from people that are struggling to grow their nonprofits because there's more nonprofits than there ever been competing kind of for the same amount of dollars. From your experience in nonprofits, what did you see that worked really well with kind of getting people to engage not only in a philanthropic way, getting involvement in these different resources that may be available in your community, but in the nonprofit space, how can they help compete for kind of those dollars and what they're trying to do? Um, Nonprofits in such a unique space, so I love that you've had some experience with them. Yes, and we're lucky in that our founding team, two of our advisory board members run a foundation locally, um, and and my background and that of my two other co-founders, we are strongly connected to the community that we're in um, and really believe in the potential of this network, not just to be within these four walls, but to help beyond. Um, So I I think it does come back to community and connection, and I think there is a deep craving for connection, especially at this time when we've all been isolated. Um, So the nonprofits in my community that have hosted virtual or live outdoor events, I think have been extremely well received because people are realizing that they're not alone in these struggles and want to um, be involved in organizations locally that are um, serving a larger cause. So I think um, not being afraid to change kind of your model or pivot a little bit, um, because I think people are realizing that Now to connect, you have to consider virtual options. And it's a fun way to connect in ways when you can't do a big party, et cetera. So being open to that. And then I think other ways of getting content out. So um, we've had a lot of these thought leadership conversations around social impact, um, and we're planning one coming up on the digital the digital divide and education. Um, as we're all thinking about homeschooling for our own families, what does this look like in some of our most underserved communities? Um, so if it comes through as education and ways for people to better understand an issue, I think then um, people are more game to get behind your mission. I think that's great. And I love that you hit on a topic that speaks near and dear to my heart is the digital divide in education because for a lot of what we see with you know, in the Mother Honestly community, sometimes we're not capturing 
all of the moms that you know, we've seen a lot of people they've switched from public schools to private schools they've switched to pods they switched to private tutoring and not all of those options are available to everyone and every family and so figuring out ways that we can help support those within our local communities that may not have the same tools and resources available to them but to make sure that children across the spectrum are receiving you know, quality education and the support that they need in this kind of time. So I love that you guys are taking that initiative to heart and addressing that. I think that's going to be just a great piece that you guys have coming up. And I'm excited to see. I, that's what I wrote down. I'm like, I will make sure that I'm attending that one. That's an awesome. awesome. One. We would love to have you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, definitely. I heard that. I was like, that's amazing. Um, and I'm glad that you're doing it because sometimes people, even now, we shy away from sometimes having the difficult conversations that, yes, you know, we're virtual schooling or that it doesn't look the same for everyone and it doesn't apply the same way and to kind of say that's okay in certain regards but what can we do to make sure that we are having the ability to impact everyone around us in some way so i love that you guys are taking on that and i think for our nonprofits you've touched on a great point of you know we we need to not be afraid of the virtual world now because it's becoming the normal and there's a lot that we can do that's fun and inclusive and wholesome within that space that really kind of can make up for those big events that we used to do or the big in-person events before. Now more than ever, women are demanding a quick recovery after surgery. Women are incredibly proactive when it comes to their health and ask their doctors a number of questions prior to surgery. Unfortunately, there's one topic that they often forget to discuss, which can directly impact their recovery experience, non-opioid pain management options. Non-opioid options used before, during, and after surgery can effectively manage pain while minimizing the need for opioids and limiting a patient's downtime after surgery. Planning for surgery? Unlock your X Factor by visiting yourxfactor.com forward slash M8 to learn more about non-opioid pain management options and raise your expectations for what is possible after surgery. For COCA, what are you guys looking for as you kind of come to the end of 2020 and into 2021? You've had to do a pivot yourself, you know, this past year, so I'm sure it's changed your business model and your operating model. Um, what does it look like for you guys in the next six months as you continue down this path? Yeah, well, so we're looking to two new growth areas. So traditionally, uh, the majority of our membership was female founders. So those who had started their own businesses, small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, who weren't otherwise having a place to sort of show up and be in community. Um, we've also always served corporates who perhaps didn't have the need for the physical space, but wanted to be part of a multi-generational influential community of ambitious women. Um, but now given that everyone's working remotely, it's kind of changed the shape of who feels a need to uh, be a part of this community. So the two that we're looking to growth toward now are both corporates and newcomers from the city. So I'll, I'll mention corporates first. So we're a local, socially distant, safe co-working space. And so for those who aren't ready to commute on public transport to the city, or perhaps their company is um, saying, you know, don't come back until January, June, um, ultimately those who are working from home may be feeling isolated, ready to connect, ready to have a professional environment with good Wi-Fi they can re rely upon, a place to focus, a place to feel safe. And so for those people, we're here as a resource. 
um, and then also newcomers from the city. So we found that in the last six months, every home in the area that's gone for sale has had 10, 12, 15 bids on it um, because I think those who have been living in the city and considering the possibility of moving to the suburbs, um, the pandemic was kind of the final straw to say this is the time. And so for those moving here for the first time, um, it's a hard time to meet new people. And if you're a young working mom with young children, you know, typically your outlets to meet other families would be at the preschool, at your church. Um, but for example, the preschool drop-off for my son, it's pretty anonymous. You, you, you do the car line and take a temperature and then he goes in and you don't see the other parents, the teachers at all. And so what had been a really positive resource for community is just not available right now. And so um, I think we're both parenting and then working from home in an isolated way. Um, and the COCO provides a built-in community of supportive women who are here to rally you on and an opportunity to meet at once, you know, sort of all over 200 people that are committed to your success. So as a way for these newcomers to kind of plug into our virtual programming and we've launched um, a new live event, our walking club, it's simple, but truly just once a week, come join us and we'll take a walk around the neighborhood. Um, and then they can just meet, whether it's someone who has kids around their age or someone's a little further along the line and can give perspective on, you know, when I first moved here, this is what I experienced. And, you know, you should consider this place for takeout and this place for childcare um, so that you're not alone and you're really welcomed by a community. Those are such great ideas that you guys have engaged. I love the live walking club. It's not something that I've heard kind of anyone else that's doing. So that's such a neat idea and a great way to welcome people to the space, to the area, make them feel included. And I think that's a big thing too, is a lot of times it's, we used to do the neighborhood or at the school, hey, are you, who are you using as an orthodontist? Who are you using as a doctor? Where should I go for cupcakes? These type of things um, that we have lost that. And it's, I like the way you explained it of, it you know, reflected for me on the same thing with my toddler when I drop them off is scanning in. I rarely interact with parents now because we it's kind of just it's a different world in that regard. So we do when you break it down and when you think about it, it is very isolating. Um, so I like that you guys have kind of taken a look at it from multiple angles and said, what can we do to help support? For you personally, you also serve on a lot of different boards um, in your area. How has that experience shaped what you're doing, both professionally and personally, and what are you seeing now as we move into different spaces for how we integrate and operate at the board level? One board that I'm on that I really have enjoyed is our um, Summit Downtown Board. So I'm on a board with local business owners, some of which have had businesses in this town for decades. Um, it's the mayor of the town and then our local sort of downtown committee. And it's been fascinating to have sort of a bird's eye view on how other small businesses have been weathering this time. Um, and this particular downtown group has done a lot to sustain local businesses because people move to this town because yes, you know, it's a suburb of New York City so you can commute to the city, but it does have a vibrant downtown with great restaurants and local businesses. And so people want this to continue. And in fact, local citizens donated to the Sustained Summit Fund and local businesses were able to apply for a grant. So, you know, completely um, forgiven grant funds, um, which at a time when we were closing and there wasn't a lot of great news for our business and we were pivoting, it was amazing to have um, 
sort of an influx of support because we did receive a grant. And I know um, we were one of the grant recipients in that among many, many, many businesses in town. Um, and very few businesses have closed their doors in our downtown, which I think is very promising. And um, we've also opened up for outdoor dining and you can, we've closed some of the streets for traffic and there's string lights in town. And I think, um, there's little things like that, like live music and outdoor dining that have really been a bright spot and reminded people that we are a part of a community. We care about each other and we're more than just what we're doing in our home offices in front of a Zoom screen. And that's something that you're very passionate about, not only on the board level and your in your corporate job, but you really are focused on building momentum for the mission-driven brands. And what do you recommend for people that are trying to a, support kind of these mission-driven brands, bring awareness to what they're doing? Um, and what would you recommend for those that want to, that are really mission-focused but haven't yet had the opportunity to really engage or kind of get others aware of what they're doing? Have you found any experiences they've seen kind of as individuals have joined the co-op or as they've joined um, kind of in, in the example of the downtown space? Um, that you find you're like, you know what, that's a great marketing strategy. I encourage everyone to adopt that. Well, I think we received advice early on as we were planning our business to um, not, you know, open the beautiful space and have the water with the lemon in it and put on the nice music and light the candle and open the doors and say, all right, people come, but rather build the community first. Um, so before we launched the space, we had two listening events, which were focus groups. And the mission of those were to say, we wanna build this business with you and for you. What do you need? What do you want? And the, the folks that attended those were already embedded in our mission and, and really had a thirst for making this happen. Um, we also had a pop-up co-working day. Um, we had a big pre-launch event where, you know, we invited all those who had come to those listening events and the pop-up um, and our own personal networks to, to say, we, we wanna do this, do you, are you in it with us? And in fact, we had um, six women at all different points of their own journey of life and career from uh, a woman who had just recently graduated from college and was starting out in a big accounting firm um, through entrepreneurs, corporates, and then others who were retired and very active in board work and to show that there were different moments of doubt across each of these transitions to get from point A to point B, but people kept going. And what kept them going was their own sense of purpose, but also a belief in building something bigger than themselves. And that was something that I think resonated really well with um, the purpose of our mission and our business, but also those that we were serving. And so in fact, on, on that night, when we didn't even yet have the keys to the space, we shared this idea and offered the opportunity for people to join a charter membership uh, whereby they would get a discount on membership should they choose to join once we open our doors and access to some exclusive events pre-launching including a salon dinner at one of my co-founders homes um, and that night on the spot 70 people signed up and bought this 200 charter membership and that exceeded all of our expectations and really kind of put a fire under us to say, well, we're doing this because our community wants it. Um, so I think not being in your own head, but rather just asking those that you want to serve and the business you want to build, what do you need and want? And then you have greater confidence going into what you're doing and building momentum around it because it's authentic. 
as I reflect over the last week, I think that's some of the best business advice that I've heard in a while is to really, a lot of times people say, I'm going to go to market and do X, but they haven't necessarily asked the market in which they're joining. So am I filling a need? Am I filling a purpose? Is this what the audience actually wants? And I like that you guys spend so much time understanding who your demographic was going to be and not just doing kind of the intel around it, but really engaging with the community and being open to feedback about what you guys were doing. And to get that many people to sign up for a charter membership out of the gate really reflects what you guys were doing and the ability to kind of build on that. So congratulations to you guys. That's an awesome accomplishment. And I think for people listening, you know, you hit on t two different things. Everyone has the imposter syndrome. They kind of feel at certain points of their career, they may not, may not have it, but to keep going and to keep building towards something bigger. So I think those are really awesome points, Lauren, that you've brought up. Before we close the podcast, I always like to ask, you know, on a personal, professional level, what are something that's really driving you and something you're really passionate about or working on or struggling with, you know, to share with our listeners before we depart? You know, what do you hope to do? We're kind of heading into the last quarter of 2020. You know, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next coming months and work on for you? Um, let me think about that for a moment. I think, you know, we all learned a lot last spring about life in quarantine and what works and what doesn't work. And I think I learned for myself that I don't like going it alone. I like having a network around me. I have my friends, supporters, et cetera. And I think that's what I'm going to continue to build in the next several months. I'm adapting to a new routine um, with homeschooling and um, sort of a hybrid model and then, you know, a really important time for our business as well. Um, but that is really what sustains me is that connection with others and feeling like we're doing this together. And so for anyone listening, I feel like whatever it is you're working on, don't go it alone. It's more fun to do it with friends and sort of bring friends along with you because it'll make everything you're working on feel a little bit lighter. That's an awesome perspective. And I love that we sometimes remind people that it also feels very alone and isolating right now. But I agree. It, I think we've reconnected with people in a different way, kind of with the pandemic. I've sent more letters than I ever have during this period. I've picked up the phone more or even sent texts a lot more than I did before, kind of just to connect with people when I couldn't physically see them. And those that I can see in a safe environment, you know, it, it's that much more meaningful now, kind of when you have that taken away. So I, I really like that advice that you've given. Lauren, how can we learn more about what you guys are doing with the co-op? tell people how to find you and how to look up this great resource that you guys have built. For sure. Yeah. You can go to www.theco-co.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Coco and J. Uh, and we would love to have you along with us. So look us up anytime. We will. Lauren, thank you so, so much for being a guest on the podcast today. It was wonderful learning about what you guys are doing as well as inviting our listeners uh, that are local to New Jersey, but also across the country and world to check out your virtual opportunities as well because you've built such a great space for that. I wish you nothing but the best in the coming weeks. Please stay safe, stay well, stay ambitious, and I look forward to watching the Coco continue to join in your journey. Thanks again for being a guest today on the podcast. Thank you, Kristen. Have a good weekend. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you. 
please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly, and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.